Hey everyone, welcome to this week's Going in Circles Big Monday show. My name is Charles Simon. I'm the host of the Going in Circles podcast. My partner and co-host, Mr. Barry Spears, will be with us, as always, right after the first break. Got to talk about uh, this and that and here and there and, uh, well, Derby Trail. We always talk about the Derby Trail. We did a little ranking today. We sent it out, graded the preps. Talk about that. We'll talk about the Risen Star. Um, well, no, it was two weeks ago. We already talked about that. We'll talk about the uh, the Rebel. Something with the R's. The Rebel was the only Derby prep last week. Uh, talk a little bit about the card in Saudi and some of the ramifications about that. And uh, previewed this week. Coming week is a big week on the Derby Trail. We got four. Though two of them um, are kind of semi-derby trail races, the Gotham and the Mike Battaglia. And, uh, you know, we get into a bunch of different stuff. We'll be back here in just a minute. Going in Circles podcast listeners, we have something that might be of interest to you. The Going in Circles Digest is a eh, sort of weekly newsletter that we put out. We preview stake races. We review stake races on occasion. Uh, we talk about industry topics and do some writing about you know, various stories. Sometimes uh, brief, sometimes we carry on. We put some videos that we find interesting youtube on on there and we also link to other articles and things that we've found interesting it's free you can subscribe at going in circles digest.substack.com that's going in circles digest.substack.com and uh check it out Hey, Sniper. Hey, Mr. Simon. What's happening, sir? <laughs> Whole lot of nothing. Well, we're preparing for a, a snow storm. Again? In the Saratoga area. Didn't you just have one? Yeah, the uh, Mother Nature figured that she left us alone for a while, so we're going to get a bunch. Noise. Uh, the, the snow has commenced. And it's supposed to supposed to continue to snow until four o'clock tomorrow. Oh damn! Yeah. So, well, better you know, Tuesday's better than Friday, right? That's right. That's right. But uh, I don't know if they're going to cancel at the harness track tomorrow, but. What? Tuesday's, you know, our day. But, uh, you know, I'd say maybe 50-50. Wow. I, I would think they would cancel, right? Um, You never know with the Trotskys. <laughs> Woodbine, they don't cancel. No, never. 
Only if the track gets screwed up somehow. But, but that's about it up here. Got a lot of derby prep action coming up this weekend. Yeah, Fountain of Youth. We've got the Fountain of Youth, the San Felipe, Southern California. Finally has a, a prep race where people are going to earn points. Um, I think it's a, what's an 11-horse field. Yeah. wonder if the post-10 and 11 still work out there. In the- <laughs> Get the cobwebs <laughs> off that. <laughs> Uh, then the Mike Battaglia. I don't care if it's the John Battaglia. To me, it's the Mike Battaglia. Mike Battaglia. Are they related? I think that's his father. Oh, okay. Makes sense. But but I'm calling it the Mike Battaglia. So. <laughs> the Mike Battaglia actually uh, was a key race on the Derby Trail last year. We just didn't know it. <laughs> we didn't know it till about the eighth pole of the derby. Oh man! When who the hell's that? <laughs> uh, and the Gotham, which is kind of you know, it offers derby points, but it's really not a derby prep anymore. Right, it's a mile, right? It's a one-turn mile, and uh, it's getting a little late in the. Uh, in the in the year for the one turn mile races, but well, at least on the Derby Trail, it's getting a little late. But um, that looks like it's going to be a big field too. So, big field in the Fountain of Youth, big fields. We like big fields. It's something that uh, we can we can attest to. We we are big field advocates. Yes, indeed. It it just feels like, you know, like when you're in like high school and you're cramming for a test. <laughs> that's what it feels the Derby Trail feels like this year. You know, that's a very good analogy. <laughs> uh, speaking of which, I wrote a little piece today for the Going in Circles Digest and um, we went ahead and graded the preps so far. We, uh, Gave letter grades to all the preps that have been run, and then we ranked ranked them one through ten, um, because there's just no point in ranking, you know, where the Remsen or the uh, the Jerome currently sit, because <laughs> I, don't, I don't believe there's any Derby horses coming out of either of those races. But I went ahead and and, and ranked or graded all the races that have been run that earn points if it wasn't a point earning race we didn't uh, we didn't grade it no mucho macho mans no allowance races no maiden races uh two 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 races got a grade a and the, the way i guess i probably should explain what you know how we graded them but um the grade was based on the potential impact on the kentucky derby on may 6th at churchill downs uh we used an abcd system um, I said, unlike clocker reports, they won't all be B's. <laughs> cheap shot at clockers. Um, a is the most influential type of race with multiple major potential contenders. I mean, this point in, in, in the game, everyone's is only a potential contender. 
because right. 68 days to go. There's lots of dropouts. Uh, all the vaunted Bob Baffert horses have no points. <laughs> They're sitting here with zero. So they can't stumble at the gate, get DQ'd. You know, um, they, they cannot make any mistakes. Uh, but a B is a semi-influential race with at least one major contender and a mid-level contender uh, emerging from that race. A C is a, a race of questionable influence and you know, may have one, um, you know, semi-mid-level contender. And D is a non-factor race. We don't grade foreign races because we just don't do it. We might maybe put a UAE Derby grade at some point, but uh, that's not even a guarantee. Um, yeah, two races got grade A. Uh, the Breeders Futurity got a grade A, and the Lecomte got a grade A. Uh, the Breeders Futurity got a grade A because Forte was the winner. Um, in that race also was Red Route One, who's done nothing but run well uh, in multiple preps since then. Uh, Instant Coffee was in that race. Instant yep. Coffee has won two Derby prep races since, and two Phils, who's also uh, done well since then. So that was a very, very uh, productive race, and, and that's with Loggins, who a couple people thought was actually the best in that race. Um, you know, he, he hasn't even... He, he's. I don't even know that he's really training and then full I training. I was going to say, he hasn't done anything. Yeah, so... Uh, that's that's without him uh, even having participated. Uh, the other race was the uh, the Lecompte, and, and and that race he had instant coffee, um, two fills again, whose whose form has been has held up because uh, he was third in, in the Risen Star coming out of Lecompte, and and Confidence Game, who won the Rebel, who was was also in the uh, the Lecompte. So that was a really solid race. Uh, this year, that that race is the race that gave us um, um, epicenter last year. Yep. So Lecompte is is a is a strong race again. Uh, a couple races almost made that grade A, but they were just a little low. Both races from the last two weekends, the Risen Star and the Rebel, I gave B plus uh, because I didn't want to let recency bias kind of rear its ugly head. Um, and I'm a little questionable about Angel of Angel of Empire and uh, Sun Thunder, um, and they ran well. I'm not, don't get me wrong. Uh, um, you know, we we haven't seen it with them enough yet. Uh, obviously, two fills is, is, is solid. I thought from the Risen, Risen Star last week, uh, Tappet's Conquest and, and Single Ruler also horses that that might make some noise in the last round of preps. Uh, and a rebel. I mean, confidence game was was very good. Um, that was a race where I, <laughs> like a moron, I forgot to put my bet in for the Trust Trust of Profits um, contest, so I got a zero, and I I bet it wrong again. So that's like a a weekly thing. <laughs> Have the winner and hardly hardly cash. Uh, but Red Root won again. He uh, he ran good again. Um, reincarnate, I thought was really good in that race. And, and as a matter of fact, um, if you put a gun to my head, that's who I would take out of that race because he showed a new dimension. He was on a track that he had never 
probably had to uh, to deal with. I mean, in Southern California, they don't even train anymore when it rains. <laughs> so for him to deal with a sloppy track and not be up close to the leaders, I mean, remember, he was on the lead in the yep. sham. Um, went wire to wire, set fast fractions, but kind of battled um, on the lead until uh, the other horse got hurt there and pulled up. But he, you know, he, he found himself way back on the rail in the slop, getting a lot of dirt kicked in his face or mud kicked in his face. And you could see as they headed down the backside, the first, you know, part where they straightened out that, I mean, Johnny V was, was getting after him to, you know, push him through, make, make him run through the mud. And at that point in the race, I was like, man, this horse is done, you know? Yeah. He looked, he looked finished. But he made a nice run, and he got cut off a little bit in mid-stretch. And um, I don't even know if it affected the placing, but it certainly stopped his momentum. But when he got clear again after that, he came running again. And that, to me, was really uh, a big a big part of why I thought he ran really well. Because a lot of horses, they face adversity. They come from, from way back when they're used to being up close has to deal with the mud, gets cut off mid-stretch, and he's still running at the end. And uh, uh, the, to me, that that's that's uh, a good sign because the one thing about the Kentucky Derby is you're going to find trouble. 18 of the horses are going to find trouble at some point. Now, it may not be big trouble. It may not be uh, something that costs you the race, but there's very few, you know, totally clean trips in the Kentucky Derby. So... The fact that he showed he can deal with it and he has another dimension, uh, to me, that was, was um, impressive about, about uh, and, I, and I really thought that was, you know, that was a good race because I was, I was you know, of the Baffert two, I mean, I've been on record saying that the one, the, the two that I like are Arabian Night and Reincarnate, and Arabian Night is... We're 68 days away from the Derby. He hasn't worked in two weeks. He's only run twice. <clears throat> and we're getting to that critical point of, you know, he just doesn't have enough foundation. And, you know, reincarnate does. Um, you know, it took him a while to break his maiden. So he got to race once a month trying to get through that maiden. And, and to me, that that is a, a positive, not a negative. Uh-huh. And, I, and I thought verifying ran well. Um, I thought that um, our man Flojo, <laughs> he he found every blind switch and and, and ran him up on the heels. Uh, I think he altered course about five times between the three ace pole and the and the the sixteenth pole. So. I'd be willing to give him a little, another shot because he was kind of stuck on the inside. He took mud the entire race. He never really got clear. Um, and that race was probably a good experience for him as well. Though, again, he, he doesn't have very many points. And that that's, you know, that gets to be an issue at this stage of, of the game. And you get, you get a trip that's not so great. And you don't have a whole lot of points. Well, hell. Might be on the outside looking in. Mm. 
just a quick rundown. Um, the American Pharaoh, that was Cave Rock. We gave that race a C because Cave Rock, I don't think, is making a derby. That has Jazzy or whatever his name is. Jazzy, yeah. He never runs. National Treasure is... He's ran all right, but he, he just doesn't seem like a type of Baffert horse that's going to suddenly get better. And We'll see. I mean, his race is Saturday, and uh, that's that's something... You know, we'll have to gauge. The the Breeders' Cup Juvenile, we gave a B plus. Um, Forte was the winner. But him and Blazing Sevens came out of the race without and haven't run since then. So it's hard to gauge really, you know, what they're gonna give us. They're both in on Saturday and we'll know a lot more. Um, but the other contenders coming out of the race were were verifying and national treasure. So uh, you know, that, that's not, I mean, verifying just ran fourth um, and National Treasure, you know, he's hit the board a couple times. So they're they're like mid-level contenders, but they're not like major contenders. That's why we got give that a B plus. Uh, the Kentucky Jockey Club got a B because it had instant coffee and ready to run. Uh, the the Remsen, we've already said that got a D. Uh, <laughs> the Lost Owl Futurity got a, got a C, a practical move really the only one out of there and, and obviously he gets a chance on Saturday to, to show uh, you know where he's at uh, the springboard mile got a D plus um, the gun runner got a D <laughs> Marty Jones got a C um, the Jerome got a D uh, the sham got a C uh, reincarnate national treasure again. So National Treasure, how he performs is going to move some races up or some races down based upon, uh, you know, how how he runs this weekend. Uh, like I said, the comp got an A. Uh, the Southwest got a B plus. The Southwest got a B plus because of the uncertainty of of, of Arabian Night. Um, Red Route One uh, and Sun Thunder both came out of that race as well. And Sun Thunder was second in the Risen Star. Red Run was second in the, in the Rebel. So that race gets gets a B plus. Um, the Holy Bull was a C. I almost gave it a C minus, but um, my logic was that Rocket Can did get a really wide trip, uh, and I, I don't want anything else out of that race. Um, the Robert Lewis got a D because <laughs> New Newgate won it, but he is gone. Right. So. So that's not a good sign for that race. The Withers got a C, uh, hit show only. Sam Davis got a C minus. Litigate won it, but it was not a good race. Um, and the El Camino Real got a D, as it usually will. <laughs> so, anyways, uh, the, the way we ranked them was the Lacombe number one, the Breeders, Breeders Futurity number two, the Breeders Cup Juvenile number three, the Southwest number four, the Rebel number five. The Risen Star, number six. Number seven was the Kentucky Jockey Club. Last fall, the Champagne was number eight. The Sham was number nine. And the Withers was number ten. Uh, and we put a poll up. We did. What upcoming prep are you most looking forward to watching? The Tampa Derby, San Felipe, Gotham, or the Fountain of Youth? What is What, what do you answer, Mr. Mr. Spears? Tampa Bay Derby, of course. Tampa Bay Derby. Tampa Bay Derby is currently polling at number two at 17%. Wow, really? The Fountain of Youth is a runaway winner 
uh, with 67% of the vote. The San Felipe has 11%, and the Gotham is bringing up the rear at 6%. <clears throat> so what were your uh, impressions of, of the Rebel? The Barry Spears analysis. <laughs> I'm not enthusiastic about anybody at this point. Winner ran well, definitely ran well, well enough to be, you know, kind of put themselves in the in the mix. But I don't know, just don't have a good handle with with not many horses running, and it's hard to make anything of these preps because the horse could just fall out of form just as fast as they kind of round into form. So. It's going to be a difficult year. Yeah, I want to give props to Keith DeSormo, too, because every year he comes up with a horse or two. The, right, that they don't pay a lot for. They don't pay a lot for at all. And he runs them, and he runs them, and you can see them developing um, on the sheets. You can see them developing in the races. They get better. And, you know, one of the things I said on social media the other day was that people are under this false impression or very um, get very enthused about horses that, that run huge first time out hmm. and it's understandable why but most of those horses don't wind up ever living up to the hype of that first race for a variety of reasons. And these days, trainers don't um, do a great job of developing horses. And a lot of it is, is pressure put on them from the owners and those that, um, how should I put it, uh, advise the owners. Everybody wants to win first time out, even though that's probably the worst thing for your horse in a lot of ways. Unless you're selling. If you're selling your horse, if that's the goal is to sell or syndicate your horse, then winning first time out is a good idea. But you want your horse to get better as they they mature. You want them to get better. And we've talked about this quite a few times. Certain trainers have certain patterns, and you can see how their horses are or come out like Baffert. We've said it many times. His horses come out running and they usually, they inch better if they get better. You know, they, they come out fast and they get a little bit faster and a little bit faster and a little bit faster. They don't make dramatic improvements. Uh, and a lot of them tail off. Mm -hmm. Let's face it. It's not like Bob Baffert gets 150, or has, uh, not 150, but 100 top horses a year and 95 of them go on and, and become great horses 90 of them don't it's the 10 that we see that, <laughs> you know that we remember um he has plenty of horses that broke their maidens first or second time that just you know usually soundness but just never became big time horses um and some of them you you'll actually see where his horses they get to be four and all of a sudden they get good again 
and it's just taken that much time to get them back rolling. And his philosophy is like his philosophy because of the horse quality he's getting. And he's getting cults that are designed for one thing, speed, to get on a triple crown trail. This is what they buy them for, like all of them. <laughs> so, so, but he's an individual that, that is, he's the only person that has that, um, that mandate. Now, other trainers are starting to get that mandate, but Brad Cox and, 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 uh, Todd Pletcher, um, they win with other types of horses too. Chad Brown and Bill Mott, they, they win with plenty of grass horses. Baffert doesn't win very many grass horses because he doesn't have very many grass horses. He just doesn't have them. When he runs one on the grass, it's usually because they haven't shown a whole lot on the dirt. You know, maybe they have a little grass pedigree and they're taking a shot. But when you look at the California stakes on the turf, his name is not in there. Very Never, much. ever. <laughs> so, uh, even his fillies, I mean, they're mostly dirt fillies. They're mostly two-turn fillies. Now, he gets some sprinters because they buy horses of high quality, and sometimes those horses have air issues or, or they just simply don't want to go that far. And he's turned back quite a few horses, and, and he's done you – know, he, he can really – he's an excellent trainer with sprinters as well. Um, but those are the mistakes, you know, the suspensions are the ones that, that didn't accomplish what they, 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 they set out to do. And that, that's get on the triple crown trail. Um, I mean, Nick Zito was like this in the nineties. This is what he did. This is what he got. This is what he bought. This is what they tried to do. Um, you know, people forget in the nineties, Nick Zito and, and, and Wayne Lucas dominated the triple crown for, for quite a while. Um, but Baffert has taken it to, uh, to another level. Um, and a lot of that's numbers. So, you know, you, you got owners where you got situations where you have 10 owners and every single one of them owners could go out and buy their half a million dollar horses by themselves. They don't need anybody, but now they're teamed up. So the numbers exploded. It's not, he's not getting three or four from a guy. Now he's getting 30 or 40. Um, from this group and, and you know his other longtime owners like Pegram and, and such. But a lot of the other trainers that try to do it like Baffert does it, but Baffert is is you know he he does it better. Um you'll see uh, you know and, and we've talked about this at nauseum. A lot of these lightly raced horses, I just don't like them. I just don't like them. Not for the Derby. It's just not that type of race. You cannot just out-talent horses like you can in non-derby type races. Horses have got to have a foundation, and they've got to be battle-tested. And, you know, you might say, well, what about Forte? Well, Forte raced five times last year, and he was racing in July. Forte was running at Saratoga. He, 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 was, he wasn't a maiden either. Right. So he had a long campaign, and, and he had a couple tough races. Um, and I, I think that, you know, that's, that's their goal is, was, you know, knowing that, that he had some uh, good foundation coming in, that he's got plenty of points. He, he'd have to completely bomb not to have enough points. 
And, uh, you know, that's that's a different story. It's the ones that started in December that have two starts now. Like, <laughs> I just don't see how they're going to have enough background and enough, you know, be battle-tested enough to, to really, I mean, you, they'll be in the race, but I just don't think they can win. Yeah, it was like, you know, like last year, table. Charge it. Yeah, charge it. He looked pretty good the other day. Yeah. Coming back. Hadn't run since July. But, uh, no, he, he ran fine. I guess they're pointing to the Met Mile. The Met Mile might be a hell of a race. Might be a hell of a race this year. I mean, it's usually a good race, but yeah, it might be. A... You got uh, the two Bill Mott horses, Elite Power, who who galloped in the uh, the Saudi Sprint the other day. Yeah, they look real good. Uh, and then uh, with the horse who won the Breeders' Cup Mile, what's his name, Barry? Mm. He won the Forgo. Damn, name escapes me. <laughs> Listen, I'm the I'm supposed to be the one with the Alzheimer's. <laughs> Pulling a blank. We can't we can't both forget all of the winners. <laughs> um But uh, no, he's in charge it and it's being pointed towards that. The Bill Mott horse that we can't think of a name of that everyone's going to laugh at us. Um, elite power. <clears throat> of course, Repo Rocks, who's now is suddenly. <laughs> he's a monster. Suddenly the best horse in, in the world. I'm surprised they don't send him to Dubai. He could run in this sprint and then double back in, in, the, in the, the Dubai World Cup. I mean, why not? Why Why hold him to just one race on a day when he can win two races? <laughs> he doesn't seem to get tired anymore. I don't know if the disdain I have for that uh, that group is coming through, but uh, I have my disdain face on. <laughs> If you had told me last year when Repo Rocks was getting smoked by Life is Good that he would suddenly be running 115 buyers, I might have, I might have just, <laughs> I don't know what I would have done. <laughs> but it wouldn't have been pretty. Just a joke. Ah, it's all right. We got heist now. Everything's going to be great. <laughs> uh, speaking of which, Dutro's back. Yes. Rick Dutro is back. He's got the approval. After 10 years or thereabouts. <clears throat> of course, there's always the mixed emotions on 
social media about uh, on the Twitter machine about that. Yeah, yeah. There's some people are happy to see it back. Some people are upset to see him back. But one thing that Dutro has always done, he's always created a situation where people had an opinion on him. (laughs) (laughs) Nobody was ever like, Dutcho, I don't know. I mean, everybody was like, oh, man, I love Dutcho, or oh, man, I hate that guy. I mean, it was always, it was always one or the other. Yeah, yeah, pretty much one or the other. So, um, I kind of like that he's back, to be honest. I, I mean, first of all, the sentence he got for the transgression that they pinned on him um, was ridiculous. Ten years for something that uh, that maybe he should have gotten 90 days. You, you could make the case in the extreme he should have got six months. But ten years was just ludicrous. Um, but the one thing about Dutcho is he does win and he's going to get horses. Guys are going to send horses because number one, they like him. And number two, he does well and he doesn't have a type of horse. He does well with all kinds of different horses. So you're going to inject a guy, pardon the pun, um, <laughs> back into the New York environment that can challenge um, the people that win all the races there. So adding another stable that can win races at all levels is always a good thing from the competitive standpoint. And you have another trainer that can, that can, um, that can win. And in a lot of our big tracks, that has gotten to be a problem where, you have situations where there's um, even in the bigger fields, three trainers might have 60, 70% of the race and it becomes, you know, a competition. It's, it's, it's a competitive balance issue. So having another guy that can win races uh, is, is always to me a good thing. So, So I'm sure there's people that disagree, but hey, you know, that's what racing's all about, right? <laughs> Understatement. Uh, what'd you think of the the, uh, the Saudi Cup? Tyva didn't show up. He did not. Not at all, like. No, he was like never involved. Never, never close. But it was, you know, it's always interesting to see how races are run there. It's funny that uh, when sent to the Middle East, uh, country grammar becomes like this monster. (laughs) Yeah, I don't get it. It's funny, you tell people, you know, nobody in America really thinks he's good. You know, and he's made like $15 million. Right, he finished in second. And, and uh, you know, he comes over here and and he's life and death to beat Royal Ship. 
doesn't even run in the Breeders' Cup. He ran him in what? They ran him in the Del. They ran him in the Delmar Breeders' Cup, right? Uh, yeah, behind yeah. Nick's go. Right, and he was he was nowhere. And that last year, they didn't even bother. I mean, Baffert had enough. He Flightline beat him by twenty. So I mean, <laughs> no wasn't loss. any wasn't any point shipping across the country to get beat by twenty again. So, but over there, he, he is. <laughs> it's weird. He's just a lot better there for whatever reason. But uh, the winner was a Japanese turf horse. Kind of tough to come up with. I mean, you're you're strictly guessing, though. Uh, the pre-race announcers kept going on and on and on about how uh, turf horses handle that track better than most. So can't say that I have a whole lot of experience in watching races at uh, what's it called King Abdul Aziz track yeah track? yeah yeah so I'll take the word for it but but he ran a good race country grammar ran well um the Japanese ran like first third fourth and fifth I say they, they love that place yeah they fourth. won three of the races did well last year too. Mm-hmm. Uh, the home team won a race, won, won the uh, Saudi Derby. Yeah, <laughs> that was that was kind of a strangely run race, and that um, the Baffert horse by Upstart, what's his name, having a having a meltdown. Yeah, having a meltdown. Him and the other horse went at it the whole way, and that guy, and, and he had kind of like funny silks. They were like. He looked like the Tin Man, <laughs> not <laughs> not the Tin Man, the horse, the, the Wizard of Oz Tin Man. He had like the Tin Man looks, and he was at he was at him the entire race, and then the final fifty yards, he just warmed down, and having a meltdown. I mean, his pedigree is is he's bred to sprint on both sides, so the miles was really kind of stretching it, but. He ran good race. He ran good. Yeah, he ran good. And uh, no one else was even, like, got in the race. No one else even got involved. They didn't really close that much. It was just kind of a two-horse race. And I don't think that horse was – I think he was a cheap horse. I, I don't think he was – Um, he was a, a Keeneland September horse, I believe. And I, I'm pretty sure he, he was, like, 30000 or maybe less. Hmm. So uh, we don't even send turf horses over anymore. <laughs> well, we did. Casa Creed and the and the sprint. Yeah, he ran good. Yeah, real good. Almost yeah. won. Yeah, he's he, you know he, he's a, a, a. It's hard to be a dead closer on in sprints, you know. Things have to go your way. You need the sufficient pace. You have to get the right trip. You got to not get blocked. You might wind up getting hung wide, but he's a good horse, Casa Creed. I mean, I, I respect. I I have more respect for him now than I did a year ago. <laughs> but um, you know, that's what winning races will do for you. But he he ran a good race. But no, the the conventional turf races, the longer ones, we we don't even. 
I said something on Saturday on, on social media, which caused a little bit of a stir, but Hello? I said, you know, if the Japanese ever decided to target the U.S., it might be bad for us. <laughs> <laughs> oh, mad. Everybody's mad. Well, they've they've got a lot of good horses. I mean, for a long time, they did not venture out of Japan very often at all. Once in a while, they'd send one over here. I was the Philly that won uh, the American Derby, not the American Derby, at Hollywood Park. Oh, Cesario. Yeah, yeah. Cesario. And they tried to win the arc. They've been trying to win the arc for a while, and, and they just don't have any success. And mostly because in Japan, they just don't race on super soft turf that often, like they do in, in France. It's just you know part of the, the climate. It's just not. Yeah, it's different. And, of... and they they race on more racetrack uh, type <laughs> settings, you know, like like we run run at where. Those European courses are just, you know, it's like they found a field and they put a, a fence on it. And that's <laughs> called it a racetrack. But they've been going to Hong Kong for a while and, you know, with, with some success. And, I mean, they show up at these big, uh, these big event days. And, I mean, they take names, man. They kick ass and take names. I'd imagine we might see some. Um, this fall at the Breeders' Cup because the West Coast, <laughs> I guess, easier trip for them, and you know, Del Mar is next year, so I'd imagine we'll we will be seeing some Japanese participants in the, in the Breeders' Cup. And unlike We're... last time, we probably should pay a little more attention to them. Where's the Breeders' Cup this year? I think it's at Santa Anita, isn't it? Isn't oh, okay. It? I mean, it's only at like a couple places. I was going to say, yeah, not really getting many places. Churchill, Santa Anita, Del Mar, Keeneland. It's been a little while since it's been at Churchill. Yeah. I don't know that Churchill's really that enthused about having it that much. <laughs> I mean... It's not really a secret anymore, but the, the host tracks don't make a lot of money on that day. You know, the Breeders' Cup keeps all the money. So I don't know the exact formula, but um, you know, I've been told that uh, it's not a real lucrative position for a racetrack. Churchill doesn't seem to be very uh, keen on doing anything where they're not making a lot of money at it. So I don't know. I mean, and they certainly have the facility to, to host it. I mean, Churchill Downs has got all the requisite boxes and they have a million seats and they have dining rooms and all the stuff, all the fancy stuff uh, that you need to hope the Breeders' Cup. Plus, it's a huge facility and, and you can you don't have to limit it quite so much. Uh, so people that don't want to spend like $800 a ticket to get in can actually get in at a place like that. When was the last one at Churchill? I'm trying to think. It's it's been a while. 
it has been a while since the Breeders' Cup has been at uh, a Churchill. Well, it's been a real long time since it's been at Belmont. Oh man. <laughs> um, and, and of course, last week, you know, there was always every time the Breeders' Cup is Saratoga somewhere. There's like this unofficial crew of people <laughs> that go to bat to Saratoga <laughs> as the Breeders' Cup host. No, that's not gonna happen. <laughs> and it's it's um it's funny because the arguments have not changed against it, right? It's <laughs> it's still cold in November here. The Breeders' Cup uh, requires a certain level of dining options and things like that everything at saratoga is is open to the weather there's no enclosed um sections uh outside the the what the the 1864 club right the new but that's not real big um you know you're, you're not fitting that many people in that um by design of course but, uh, you know, the vast majority of, of, of seats and, and boxes and things, you're right out in the, in the weather. And I, I posted on uh, the last four first weeks of November in Saratoga, the last four years. And one year on the Friday and Saturday, the, the, the high was 70. Great. <laughs> perfect right <laughs> well two of the other years the highs were in the mid 40s now remember these is not wind chills this is just the high temperature so <laughs> you could probably knock off seven eight ten degrees if if it's a little bit windy so those mid 40s will get into the mid 30s um and one year the high was uh 30 the high 30 on, on Breeders' Cup Saturday. So we would be dealing with a, uh, a crispy turf course. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just not feasible. And like you said, they don't put, you don't make a great deal of money hosting a Breeders' Cup. So why would Naira spend, and they would have to spend tremendous amounts of money to winterize enough that, that you could pull it off. It just doesn't make any sense. Not to mention the town is not that big. And the accommodations, um, you know, to accommodate all those people for a, even just for a weekend, uh, the, the barn areas is, is not equipped for cold weather um, stabling. Remember those, those, Barns have have um, have pipes that'll freeze. When everyone leaves, the, those pipes are all drained so they don't freeze. But if you have water running through them and you get a twenty-four degree day, well, those things might burst. Um, the turf course at the end of the Saratoga meet is beat up. There's no guarantee that fifty days later that thing is gonna be in, in, in great shape, especially if you get early frost or you get rain or you, you get uh, a snowstorm. <laughs> <laughs> so it just isn't it just doesn't make any sense. It, if you have, when you have Belmont 
I mean, you have Belmont. So there's no reason to hold it at Saratoga. It just it just doesn't, you know. People say, well, they held it at Arlington and at, at, at Woodbine. Yeah, go to Woodbine or Arlington. Places are a, huge and they're winterized. Exactly. They have indoor areas. It's 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 crazy, but uh, but yeah, every year, every year without fail, <laughs> we, we hear, <laughs> oh yeah, Saratoga should hope it's a good. It's not that cold in you know November. Oh, oh. Okie dokie. So what else, Mister Spears? Hmm. A nice visit to uh, Tampa Bay Downs. How'd that go, sir? Good. Hung out with some uh, college kids. Keeping you young? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. How, how'd they enjoy it? They, they liked it. You know, um, they're a different breed, for sure, but they do like to gamble. Always a good thing. Did you give them any winners? Of course. Naturally, you bailed them out with the 10. <laughs> what kind of questions did they ask you? Um, more about payouts, really. Yeah, so if I give you know five dollars on a horse to win, how much am I gonna get back? Right. Not many were enthusiastic about picking two winners back-to-back, like a double. Right. They were all about the win-place show. They liked that. And I was trying to explain to a couple of them why that's not always the best thing to do. <laughs> yeah, they weren't having but, it. Nah, they were, just, they, they were really just about cashing a ticket, running a ticket through the machine and getting money from the teller. Well, don't let don't let the TVG people hear you say that. They'll be like, "Yes, yeah, see, they just want winners, <laughs> even if they're not winners." <laughs> how, how was uh, Tampa? Big crowd. Yes, actually, it was a, a very nice crowd. They get good crowds there on Saturdays. Yeah, Beam was saying the same thing. But it was, yeah, it was a really good crowd. How is Mr. Beam? Beam's doing good, man. Still skinny? Yes, indeed. He's like a new guy. The Beamster. <laughs> the Beamster. <laughs> he's he's a good caller. He's smooth, man. Yeah. He's a good caller. There's occasions where I have, like, the OTB channel on. And I'm distracted, or I'm doing something else, and and to race them. Maybe I'm not that interested. If I didn't, if I didn't make a wager, <laughs> is it the race um, is on? And I, I'll listen to the race, and and I'll hear his call. Then I'll watch the replay, and I mean, it was almost this happened several times. The replay was it, it almost was exactly as he called it. 
And I know that sounds a little weird, but um, I mean, no. I know there's there's some announcers. Well, like the announcer that used to that you replaced in Tampa, <laughs> he would call a race, and then you watch it, and you'd be like, "Well, that wasn't what I was expecting." But um, no, he's good. There's a lot of good announcers these days. Pete Io's good. Pistol Pete. I like his calls. Naira's going to have like three announcers, which to me is... Who? Naira. Oh, with uh, Chris. Yeah, yeah. Chris is doing it now, and he's doing fine. But then they're going to go back to Embryol at Belmont, and then they're going to go to Frank Miramani at Saratoga. It just is weird to me. I mean, listen... Why do they do that? The track announcer is, is not like... A vital part of you winning or losing, <laughs> you know, it's no, it, but it just provides the soundtrack to it's, that, right? It's the soundtrack of, of it, it, it's it means of your day at the races. <laughs> it just is strange to me that that you would want to have um three different announcers calling your product because yeah, they get a lot more people watching Saratoga than the other two tracks, but. For the most part, there's a core audience that's following all your racing. And I guess it would be like um, like a like a professional sports team that you know, you had three guys, you know, this guy called the first third of the season, then we bring in this other guy, he calls the middle <laughs> third, and then we bring this other guy and he calls the last third. That would be weird, right? I mean, people would think that's odd. Um, but I don't know. I, I just, it just seems strange to me that since Durkin um, didn't want to work in the winter anymore, that they've never really had a, a f- announcer full time. I guess Embryol, right? But kind of, kind of. But that was, it always seemed like he was, he was half in, half out. Yeah, remember like they had was, Travis do it for a while. He was like an interim, even though he wasn't. He was named the official announcer. It just didn't seem like this was going to be a permanent thing, and as it turns out, it wasn't. And, and again, nothing against any anybody, but I just thought it would be more logical to have one person call your races. And it's not even like it used to be where you were working six days a week. I mean, for a long time, oh, yeah. it was six days a week all year round. That's a lot, but these days that's not the case. You know, if I hear Pete Io, I know it's Gulfstream. Yeah, that's true. If I hear Vic, I'm a little annoyed, but uh, I, I know it's Oakland. <laughs> Cheap shot of Vic. Um, you know, John Dooley's been the announcer at. You knew it was the Arlington, Arlington, Ugh. or or uh, the fairgrounds, and that now that you know he does Indiana, I, I gotta admit I, I don't watch a lot of Indiana because the jockeys here just just make me nuts. But um, <laughs> my dad watches; he likes that place. <sighs> but yeah, the you know, you, racing. You, you hear Embryol and then and uh, Embryol. You, you hear John Dooley in, in the wintertime, and you know it's the fairgrounds. True. 
I mean, that's what I would, if I ran a racetrack, that's what I would want. I would want a voice associated with my track. So when people heard that voice, they said, hey, even Grunder, like, as bad as he would mangle races sometimes, Grunder was Tampa Bay. You mm-hmm. heard Grunder, and you knew it was Tampa Bay. And I think that that's kind of a brand association that, again, this isn't like uh, critical stuff. But... <laughs> <laughs> but I remember when I was a kid, you know, you grew up Marshall Cassidy. Oh, Marshall Cassidy. Yeah. He was he was the Naira announcer. Period. You know, like he didn't do other tracks. He did Naira. So, Meadowlands. Dave Johnson. Dave Johnson. I mean, Durkin did the Meadowlands. Yeah. All right, Durkin. Durkin did Hialeah too. Larry Collins was at Suffolk Downs. Larry Collins, right? Remember Ross Morton was at Goldstream. He did Goldstream in the winter and Finger Lakes in the uh, in the in the summertime. <laughs> and Durkin used to do Goldstream in the winter too. Yeah, for a little while. For a little while. Well, you know, there's less racing now, less tracks open. Still the same amount of announcers. <laughs> I know. Gotta get Hylia back. It'd be nice, but it ain't, it ain't gonna happen. I was happy that I, I got to spend a couple years there. The, the winter's stable there, even though during the time you're stable there, it was like freaking chaos. <laughs> Every week you thought the place was going to be closed. and I mean, it was just a, a circus. The racing office was a, was a bizarre place. The late, great Sam Abbey. <laughs> who was so popular with, with his employees by the end of the meet, he had like two left. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, but it was always something special about walking down that they had this giant pine tree lined um, horse path that went through the middle of the backside. And it was Barnes on, on right on, on the left. And you walked all the way up that way to the paddock. You cut through the paddock and you went through the tunnel. And I'm telling you, man, no matter how many days in a row you, you walk the same walk, that first time when you walk through the tunnel and to the other side, and um, they had the palm trees lying in the back, and it just was, uh, you know, growing up in, as a kid in New York, in upstate New York, and <laughs> seeing that on TV all the time in the winter time when it was miserable and snowy, you know, kind of like it is tonight, and you would see a racist from there. You know the flamingo or or whatever, and it's like, man, <laughs> what I do to be there, you know? <laughs> yeah. But you could just feel the history in that place. You could just feel it. I mean, the architecture, uh, just the, the the grandstand, the clubhouse, the way everything was set up. 
I mean, you can still go there. I mean, it, it's a yeah. neat place. Yeah. And really, if, if any, if you ever get to South Florida and you have the time to do it, I mean, I'd advise anybody to go over there and, um, and just walk around. And, yeah. It's a really cool place. It was a really cool place, man. I, and, you know, obviously when, when I was running there, it was kind of a shell of itself, but there was still something special about the place. It's uh, it's just too bad. I mean, honestly, I, I miss Calder. Mm. We liked Calder, man. We liked to go and yeah, time. we'd get to Florida and and Calder was running, and we didn't have to run a lot, and it was just a track we could go hang out at, and it was warm, and it was just uh, I liked the place. You know, it was its own little world. Miss Arlington, Miss Suffolk. It's hard to believe I miss Suffolk, but you know, yeah. having a circuit in New England, you know, it's been abandoned basically. I was only at Rockingham one time, I believe. I don't really remember much about it. Didn't you get a bad ride? Oh, I got a bad ride. Yeah, I didn't go. I would. Taylor Hole's lucky I didn't go because I'd have snapped one of his little <laughs> spindly legs. <laughs> Whatever you do, <laughs> don't come up the rail. Just go five wide, go eight wide, go ten wide. It doesn't matter. Just don't get stopped. What you do goes right up the inside and gets stopped. <laughs> I knew I should have sent Chris to Carlo over that horse. Chris wasn't uh, Frankie Dettori, but he, he could follow instructions, and he, if he was on the right horse, he would win the race. <sighs> Twenty year regret. <laughs> <laughs> you think it's easy being a trainer? <laughs> Shit lingers, oh, you, man. Haunts you <laughs> forever. Twenty years later, about some stupid thirty five thousand dollars stake <laughs> that I would have had to get wait six months to get paid on. I'm still mad about it. <laughs> Oh man, I missed Pompano this week, man. Oh. Was that the, I was at the harness track Saturday night because it was my brother's, my brother's birthday. We went to like a late lunch on uh, Saturday afternoon, <laughs> and of course it was headed towards the track. And so I said, "Well, the track starts at five, and let me go the the trotters. Let me go watch the Oaklawn races and." Uh, Maybe I can find a, a couple trotters to bet on. And um, I got there and it was, you know, snowing and cold and windy. And I was thinking, man, a year ago at this time, I would have been at Pompano. <laughs> uh. <laughs> Where it was not cold, not snowy, not windy. It's hard to believe it's 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 gone, man. I know. We taped a couple of shows from there. Yes, we did. We sure did. We had the Time Lord and, and the Time Mrs. Time Lord. They made it. They made it out for the last year. The last season. I had a good time, man. Uh, I tell you one thing about Pompano was. It was like a relaxed place. People were like, what's so great about it? It's like, it's not anything is so great about it. It's just 
a track where uh, there was nobody, there was no big shots. There was no um, jealousy, you know? There was nobody right. that was had 25 graded state courses. There was, uh, the people were just, everybody was just there and, you know, it's hard to describe, but uh, even the races, like, like people didn't get mad and yell at drivers. <laughs> Believe me, there was plenty of bad drives. <laughs> but, um, you know, and Gabe was a big part of it, too, of course. We always talk about Gabe, but um, I, I guess maybe that the big, big-ass condemned grandstand was sitting right there. <laughs> and there was always something like foreboding about that, right? Like, you know, this place used to be something, and now it's it is what it is. But, but there, you know, you could show up there in shorts and, and flip flops and not think, you know, have worry about someone telling you that the dress code was in effect or you couldn't go here. You needed a pass to do this. It was just a relaxed place, man. And, yeah. Um. It just was, that's just how it was. It was a, a place you could go and hang out at the races and, uh, you know, not get aggravated too much other than, other than if you bet one of the amateur races. But then you were more aggravated yourself. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I never it sounded forget. a little personal. <laughs> you get pissed off at yourself for betting freaking guys that weigh more than me and are driving. They win. Yeah, I'll never forget though the the great adventure of the last night when Pete ILO and Beamy and me and a guy named Messiah were <laughs> exploring the <laughs> right. You guys were like exploring Scooby the, doing the around the grandstand, <laughs> looking for hidden treasure of which there was none. <laughs> there was nothing left in that place. It was cleaned out. <laughs> oh man yeah it's just man we keep losing tracks it's not a good thing definitely not I, I just I sometimes I just shake my head when I keep seeing people say oh well there's too many races I'm like what are you what? talking about compared to what what are you comparing that to too exactly. many oh we need to you know we need to have few races or, or, oh the fields are small so we should get rid of tracks like, hello, when you get rid of tracks, you know what you get rid of? Horses. <laughs> it's almost like people just <laughs> don't use any of their, their brains when they talk about horse racing. Like, all right, you get rid of Penn National. How's that going to help Belmont? How many horses are going from Penn National to Belmont? Two, you know what? maybe. If they could compete at Belmont, they'd they already been be there. there. Right, they would have been there already. How many guys that are paying sixty five a day or whatever the hell they pay at those tracks are going to go to New York and pay one hundred twenty five a day? Uh, how about none? So when you get rid of Penn National, you're getting rid of a lot of people because a lot of those trainers are going to go to other small tracks or they're going to get out, and a lot of the owners are, go with. a lot of owners right. are local, and that's the thing the other thing that people just don't seem to get. They're not all Coolmore, okay? Or Pete <laughs> Brandt or, 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 you know, Mike Rapoli. The vast majority of owners are, are not like that. The vast majority of owners across the country are people 
who who live near the track or semi near the track or in in the vicinity that they can go once in a while and they can see their horses. So as you make this a smaller and smaller and smaller industry, it's more difficult for those people to, to find places that their horses fit or that they fit. Why, why that is so difficult for people to understand? I don't understand. And now that there's so many other gambling options available, do you really think if we just held racing once or twice a week that, that the people betting on our races would just sit out the other five days? Maybe 5% of them would. But they bet something else. People who are betting, especially people who are betting for action, are betting for action. <laughs> Whether it's our action or someone else's action. There's a million games. There's a million sports. People don't have to be proficient at it to want to bet on it. Oh, and they won't be. <laughs> no, they won't. That's for sure. And it's it's funny because people, you know, they, they complain, oh, my God, there's so many horse racing podcasts and everybody gives out their picks and this and that. And, like, we never really run them down because the fact is that for me, from my viewpoint, if someone's willing to take the time and effort to, to do this, that's fine. Mm-hmm. I have no problem with that. They're, they're investing their time in horse racing in, in some way, shape, or form. And uh, I think the, the biggest misnomer is, oh, what's good for the game. Oh, it's good for the game. Good for the game. Good. The things that are actually good for the game don't, don't ever get done <laughs> because they're complicated and, and, and it, it, it would cost somebody money, even though, uh, you know, sometimes short-term pain for long-term gain, which is something horse racing just has totally ignored. But um, and so you go back to the flight line. I mean, oh my God, flight line! I've been good for the game this year. Yeah, you've been great for the game. The <laughs> three times you ran. It's just weird to me. It's just weird that people just don't seem to grasp the realities of of the situation. What would be good for the game would be ten horse fields and 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 competitive races that'd be good for the game that'd be great for the game you want to see everything go up put 10 horse fields on the on the track put competitive racing on the track there's other things that you could certainly do tweak the way you deal with the the computer programs um just you know we don't need to go through them all the nuts and bolts are the problem. Not, not. Oh, we have too many tracks. We don't have too many tracks. <laughs> it's the stupidest thing. It's just stupid. <sighs> Say something so uh, to prevent me from going on a tirade. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not in a tirade mood. I'm in a tirade mood, which is why I'm afraid of. 
I don't even know what to say. (laughs) I can't say anything about the Knicks that might that might send you over. No, the Knicks won. The Knicks are like on a roll. I'll even say, like, even though I hate Tom Thibodeau, the team's playing good. So I'm not, not, I'm not, you know, just gonna stay neutral. Stay neutral. I'm just gonna shut up and just ride it out. Let them cook. That's right, as they say. That's right. Let them cook, and they are to beat. They beat the Celtics tonight. That's a real win. That's a real win. Yeah. That's a win over a team that actually is going to, you know, not be eliminated in the play-in. <laughs> They're beating good teams now. That's that's a good thing. It's all defense, says Tibbs. Wow. Woodbine canceled the rest of their card tonight. Woodbine. After oh, a race, what? Uh, I think after five. Like, after like six, yeah. Poor weather conditions. Did you see any of the races? I saw a couple of the. I, I saw a race at Yonkers. It was in a driving snowstorm. Really? I would. I didn't even know it was like that. Still. Yeah. I know you guys are getting another. Yeah, yeah, we got another ring. I'm not even gonna say what it was here today, so unless you want to know, I can tell you. No, go ahead. I, I believe me, I've talked to someone in Florida who told me how wonderful. It was. <laughs> yeah. Told me that they were wearing shorts today. I was like, oh. yeah. I, it was a nice, cool, brisk, eighty-two degrees. Oh man. I can't even get it to 82 in this house if I crank No humidity. Things. That's the key. No humidity. None. It's perfect. Uh, have you taken a look at the card at all for Saturday? Goldstream? Um, I, I keep hearing people... I have the I have the past performances, but I have not looked through them all. I didn't get through it. Swift said it was a good card at, at Goldstream, and he hasn't said something nice about Goldstream in, in at least eleven months. What was he was he comparing it to? Like I don't know, but for him to praise it was is like a shocker. So yeah, but it's also Monday. Oh, I'm sure, yeah, halfway through the card, he's going to say that everything's fixed and everybody sucks, but. But, yeah, it's going to change that until, you know, Wednesday, be a different story. But it can't be too bad if, if, uh, if we, if we got the praise, uh, the praise (laughs) unit out. I just, as long as they don't have a lot of Tapita races. See, I don't mind those races. Those races suck, man. Wish I could figure out a way to just set that tapita on fire and get rid. You of don't it. want that. They can if they can set the fire uh, the colonial turf course on fire every year. We can set the tapita on fire. You really do that? Yeah, every year. They Why? burn it, and then it. Um, uh, there's something about the the nitrogen 
and it it kind of like fertilizes something or other. Hmm. Yeah. Yep. They burn every year. They set it on fire. <laughs> Goldstream should set their turf on fire. <laughs> that fact that their turf looks like a burn victim. <laughs> it's all patched. <laughs> so many splotches. It's patchy. Patchy ground fog. I think Patchy Ground Fog was the was the, the last horse Bill Shoemaker rode. Seriously? I think so. I'm pretty sure. Why would you know that? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. But <laughs> Why would you know that off that, the top of your that, head? That, like came, that? that came that came to to me. Um, they had a big thing, and uh, at Santa Anita for for his it was called Legends Last Ride. It was Shoemaker's last ride, and I'm pretty sure he rode a horse named Patchy Crown Fog, who I believe was a New York bred. And back then, you know, talking 30 years ago, more than 30 years ago, um, there weren't a whole lot of New York breds that were any good ventured out of New York. Now you see a lot of New York breds, but a lot of them are basically just Kentucky breds that fold in New York for the, you know, by, by Kentucky stallions out of Kentucky mares, <laughs> but um, back then there there weren't a whole lot of uh, good New York breads. Win Win was a good New York bred, but um, yeah, Patchy Ground Fog was the horse he rode on. It was the horse he rode, and he got beat. <laughs> I just never forget though. Um, Trevor Denman was calling, and Shoemaker kind of angled outside and back then you know at the end of his career the outside was uh was where he was at most of the time <laughs> um and about halfway down the stretch uh denman started cheering for him come on shoe <laughs> during the race call <laughs> and, and it, i think he rode somewhere else after that though like canterbury or somewhere so it wasn't like his last last ride, but it was like his last ride, like Southern California, which was where he was based most of his entire career. But uh, yeah, Apache Ground Fog. I'm sure someone out there to listen to this is going to remember that day. But I was watching that race from Relito Park. What were you doing at the time? I was firing on 870 yard quarter horse thoroughbred races, maiden. 2000s might have been working as a mutual clerk there. Oh, you took bets? Yeah, that was the worst paying job I ever had because you know, most days, whatever I made, I put back in. <laughs> I went right in, yes, sir. That was the days of one race of the, the, the one race simulcast. We would get one race from New York and one race from Southern California. That's what we'd, we'd be able to bet on. And, and you know, eight of the finest $2,000 Arizona bread claimers you could find. <laughs> yeah, that was, uh, those were the days, man. Remember that? The, the one race simulcast. They, they'd simulcast one race. Oh, yeah. I used to love that shit. I mean, we ate it up too. It was like oh, I used to love thing. it. Oh man, 
Man, we get better race from Delmar. Oh, the Saratoga ones are always the best because it was every Saturday. And you knew what race it was because the race before would hype it up all week. You know, just looking at uh, the card on Saturday, prevalence is entered on the turf. They really don't know what to do with that guy. At a mile and a 16th. I'm sure he's not going to scratch out of that. Well, he worked him on the turf three times, so. Oh, boy. Yeah, prevalence on the grass. Kentucky Joker's back off of his. Uh, that was that horse was touted last time. I remember like ten people told me, oh, "Look, the Dale likes his horse today." Oh. Yeah, first time Lasix. He also got beat seventy-five lengths. Seventy-five. Tough to come back from <laughs> the old seventy-five length rebound. Oh, oh, you know what else is in that race? The ultimate hanger. Summon your courage. Mm. Eight starts, three seconds, three thirds. Zero wins. Because I read. He'll probably win. The Colonel Liam. Which I guess they renamed. What? Yeah. Fifth race is the Colonel Liam. Three-year-olds, 200,000 bucks listed. Is, is this the first running of the Colonelium? <laughs> no. I think it, 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 it... That race had a different name last year. Though I think they added money to it. Because they've always had a series of three-year-old turf races. But they never had a Colonelium because, you know, Colonelium was running. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a full field. Chad Brown's got a first time in the country horse though he's not you know he's knocking about 17 percent there at Goldstream. that's about 10 percent lower than normal french horses are always a little tricky coming to the u.s especially to track like Goldstream because you know they've been racing on that soft soft turf right and Goldstream hard turf i'm not even sure Goldstream is Turf, so Durf, Durf, D-I-R-F. We got the very one going a mile and three ace. The the very one, right? I think I think the the very one is uh, yeah the the. I think the the very one. I, uh, Sid would know, but I think they used to run that at Hialeah. I know the Bougainvillea they used to run at Hialeah for sure because that was you know the official flower of Hialeah. Uh, Virginia Joy is back. Virginia Joy costs more like Goddess the Eclipse, man. Oh, man. Stole that race. She stole the race. High Oak. High Oak returns. That's the horse that uh, that Pac almost killed last year in the Fountain of Youth. Mm. Oh yeah, the one that uh, did somersault when Paco yeah. cut him off and clipped heels. 
Yeah, he makes his first start back. White Abario in an allowance race. Going a mile? Going seven. The cutback to seven. I like that move for that horse. Or which one? Well, High Oak hasn't run in a year and fell last time, so <laughs> we're going to probably skip skip him. But <laughs> Coastal what? Defense is still around. Can't believe it. He's twelve. He's this is he, he's seven years old. This is this will be start number thirteen. <laughs> what? Yeah, he has one start. He he ran once last year, unsuccessfully. Churchill. Um, he shows races from two thousand twenty. He shows pandemic races. <laughs> he was a maiden. I think someone people were touting him for the for for something for the world the the Pegasus like two years ago when Nick's goal was winning he went off eighteen to one in that race probably should have been eighty to one Wayburn's in that race too Jimmy Jerkins back with Jimmy Jerkins it's my guy Wayburn. This is Wayburn, like an old, I scored a couple of times in Wayburn. This is really like an good. old school Gulfstream Park allowance race where horses from all over the place, stakes horses, are all racing in, the, in an allowance race. Poor Eddie Pleasy entered to a horse named Klugman, put him in for the tag. <laughs> He's got White Abario to his inside. He's a grade one winner. He's got Wayburn to his outside. He's a grade two winner. A grade <laughs> three winner. Yeah, it's a tough race. Seal Beach is in there as well. It's a nice race. Canadian turf. Emmanuel, fresh off of his track record performance in the Tampa Bay <laughs> last time. Beat me. <laughs> that was brutal. That was not fun. Um, that looks uh, kind of an interesting race. <clears throat> I am guarantee you I'll bet against Emmanuel again. <laughs> he may win, but But whatever. We have another Chad Brown first time um, in the country from France. And here comes the bride, the $200,000. The same, the Colonel Liam, except in Philly's form. Oh, the horse I bet last time, Mally moves in there. Oh, okay. Yeah. Closer. Yeah, she was until last race when inexplicably she pressed the pace. <laughs> uh, goes from Le Peru to Rosario, which used to be a good thing, but I'm not so sure anymore. Well, I I would say that you can There's probably an- count on that horse not pressing the pace. Another Chad Brown first timer from France. It must have been. He must have gone over and, and just started buying up everything. Must have, huh? must have invited him over to. They got three turfs, and they're all from France. 
Cairo concert. I wonder how it was going to ride that for you. That's the filly of Pletcher's that um, that ran in the Swedish. Remember, she yeah. blew the gate. Yeah, and circled the field. I mean, she flew home. It's a big field too. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. Twelve in there. Hmm. It was in there too. American Rocket. Hmm. You remember her from Saratoga? She broke her maiden yep. first time from way back, and then they ran her back in the spin away, and she bolted. Right, went took a right turn. Yeah, out of the gate. yeah. <laughs> and then passed most of the field, finished fourth, uh, and then never ran a, a step forward again. She makes her return on the grass. Interesting. It, it is interesting. I mean, American pharaohs have done well on the grass, but she's out of an Indian Charlie mare. Um, you don't necessarily think turf on her, though Mott did have her entered first time out on the grass in that race that she won, broke her maiden, and wasn't off the turf race. So, um, you know, she shows one turf work or two turf works of pace, and kind of an interesting, uh, it is a good card. I'll talk, I'll, I'll, I'll vouch, you co sign that, yeah. Yes, sir. Simplifications in the uh, Gulfstream Park Mile. Endorsed. My guy. Endorsed is back. Uh, charge it. Oh, Captain. <laughs> hasn't hasn't run since the, uh, the Pat Day Mile. He was third last year in the in the Fountain of Youth. Uh, he was third in the race where where Pockwell knocked knocked everybody over. Nitrous Channel moves up uh, off an A other than. That's a big jump, but gets I read. That's a that's a that's an interesting race too. I mean, I'm sure Charger will be a huge favorite, but. Um, not a whole lot of speed in there. Dean delivers has got some speed. Octane has got some speed. Nice. Octane ran a big race on Pegasus Day. Yeah, yeah, Mike Mike Smith. Nitrous channel. Uh, Irad might put her on the put him on the lead from the outside post position. Now the honey fox. Speak of the devil. Speaking of devil ran so ran giant last year on uh, I in think the it was spring Kentucky Oaks Day yeah yeah it was it was in it was then, at then Churchill she, yeah she didn't fire as the chalk in the Justa game on Belmont uh, undercard and then she has not run since so 
Yeah, Chad Brown has not been running a whole lot down at Goldstream, but he's breaking him up for Saturday. And the Devona Dale, which is always a good race. Infinite Diamond takes on Red Carpet Ready. Okay. Undervalued assets in there. She was good last time, finishing second. Their second start in the forward gal. Lynx returns. You leave no trace. Makes her first start since the Breeders' Cup uh, juvenile fillies. For, for Phil Slurp, McDermia, or McDermia. Mac. The McDermida, dear Dermida. See, I, I'd be a horrible track announcer. I can't even pronounce the names of races. Man. It's a... Uh, it's a painful group of older horses, man. <laughs> Seriously, like, I'm looking through this race, and it, and it appears to be a competitive race. Don't get me wrong. I think it'll be a good betting race, but um, I mean, man, put it this way: if you slapped fifty claiming tags on this entire field, you wouldn't trick too many people. <laughs> Henley's Joy is in there. That's the last time that horse won. I don't know. Well, he had the lead last time, 28 to 1. So you knew he was going to get run down. But, um, yeah, this is... uh, Well, highest honors might be the favorite. He's not exactly a win machine. Mm-mm. He's a seven-year-old with four lifetime wins. I do not believe he's won a stake either. All right. Uh, and the Fountain of Youth, which is uh, um, the return of Blazing Sevens and, and Forte. See our guy, uh, Ramiro, steps up to the plate with Matt. Yeah, that shocked me. Kind of a tough spot, man, for a second start. This is a, a rough spot to make your first uh, two-turn spot. and First try against winners, you got to tackle Forte. <laughs> well, we'll see if Rocket can and, and Shadow Dragon and... Uh, that crew from the Holy Bull. Personally, I, I thought that was a pretty, pretty awful race. But Cyclone Mischief, they're trying again. I mean, he didn't get a great steer last time, but he was never, he was never really in it. Yeah, he just. Was a no show. 
I mean, it looks like Forte, Blazing Sevens, and Madge. One, two, three, four, five, six, and then the other seven dwarfs. <laughs> 14 race card, my friend. What's, what's first post? 11.30? First post is like in an hour. <laughs> <laughs> Whenever you listen to this, first post is soon. Uh, <laughs> first post is 11 a.m. Kicking it off with a uh, two other than going five ace on the grass. Marathon. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, 14. That's a new thing now, you know. Risen Star Day, they run in New Orleans and their big days, they run 14. And Gulfstream is going to start running 14. I guess the sun goes down late enough. Post time is uh, five five forty three for the Fountain of Youth. Yes, it's it's still it's still light enough at that point. <laughs> Barely. Won't won't be light up here. Um, our guy Sean Patrick Nolan is going to be at the Tampa Bay Derby. You guys got to hook up. Yeah, finally get to see him in person. Yes, sir. America's nicest person. SPM. He's literally the nicest person you're ever going to meet. Yeah. That's not even... I shouldn't say he might be the nicest, but there's no one nicer. (laughs) He's a good dude. Loves racing. Sure does. Unfortunately, he also loves the Boston Celtics. Yeah, that's a little unfortunate. Hey, nobody's perfect. Yeah, you guys are going to be uh, hanging out the TBD, right? You're going to be over there? Absolutely. You working that day? I'm working that day. All right, man. Uh, that's when? Next week, right? The 11th. Yeah. The fourth. It's the 4th on Saturday, so it'll be a week from this Saturday. Yes, sir. Barry's back. Back in action. Better than oh. ever. Oh, yeah. Oh, that'd be cool. Um, got anything else? No. Nope, 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 nope. You finished? <laughs> you finished or you done? <laughs> you done or you finished? <laughs> well, I'm going to get finish up here. I'm going to go outside and look at the snow and you got to do snow angels because the Knicks are just, they're going to the championship. I'm not going to say anything. <laughs> Jalen Brunson saves all. Believe me, if I say something or start bragging, there'll be an outbreak of like Legionnaire's disease and we'll, you know, we'll have to forfeit like the next month and. Of course, it won't affect Tibbs at all. He's immune to all diseases. <laughs> but 
Even the virus is, is afraid of Tibbs. For real. Yeah, I'm not saying nothing. I'm not saying nothing. The big dance starts soon. I know. March Madness. It's going to be chaos. You know it's getting close. One seed one seed's going to lose in the first round. Hey, you know it's getting close to March Madness when the Kentucky fans start getting arrogant again. Oh, yeah. I, I've, I've talking seen talking a lot of smack. Shrupp was on uh, FanDuel the other day talking about BBN. Yeah. BBN. I want to talk about how bad Louisville is. How bad is Louisville, man? Louisville stinks. Wow, they're bad. <laughs> Louisville's. That's the big story. Is how bad are they, man? Oh my god! <sighs> All I, my my pitch for them would be, hey, if don't get hurt. If you transfer here, you'll definitely start. You're gonna play. <laughs> <laughs> and put it this way, buddy: if you come here and you transfer here and you don't start, you better start concentrating on your studies because it ain't <laughs> basketball ain't gonna happen for you. <laughs> yep. Everybody, uh, I, I never thought I'd see Louisville like be a disgracefully bad basketball team, but God, they're horrible. They're atrocious. They're just not good. They have no good players. Never thought it would happen, but it does. It, show, it goes to show you—you you never can tell, man. You never can tell. Baseball starts already. My brother's in uh, Arizona. Been yeah. Sending, Cactus League. Yeah, he's been cactusing it up. Showing, sending pictures. He went to the Angels game. He, today they went to the uh, the Dodgers and the, uh, the Padres. Giants. The Padres. I, I think he's going to a game tomorrow, too. I miss I miss spring training games. Yeah, those are pretty cool. I do have to admit that I preferred when spring training games didn't cost as much as regular season games. Yeah. We used to go to the um when the Orioles played in Fort Lauderdale. We get tickets for five bucks, man. Yeah, it was nothing. You sit in the bleachers. I told you the story, right? Uh, I was sitting in the bleachers. <laughs> yeah. And Casper <laughs> Moshera starts screaming my name. I look up, it's Gasper Mosher. I'm thinking, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> like the last person in the world you think you'd see at a baseball game. And he's laying out, he's got no shirt on, he's old. <laughs> <laughs> the gas man. <laughs> uh, he was a strange dude, man. <sighs> strange guy, but I'll tell you one thing. He won races. He won races. I don't know yeah. if he knew anything about horses, but he knew he he, he won races. <laughs> the gas man. Well, on that note, uh, let's wrap it up. <laughs> we'll have a lot to talk about next week. A lot of lot of lot of stuff next week. Yes, indeed. Talk about the Fountain of Youth and the Sham, or not the Sham? What's that? Uh, San Felipe. San Felipe. The Mike Battaglia. <laughs> A 
little bit about the Gotham. Prevalence is turf debut. Mm. Charge it. Yeah, we'll have lots to talk about. And whatever other controversies uh, erupt between now and then. Oh, there's going to be plenty, I'm sure. Yeah. Yes, sir. Oh, oh, we didn't even talk about Shit, we almost missed it. We almost missed it. How could we almost miss it? Rich Strike. Oh, he's Our back. Boy. They finally did something I agree with. <laughs> Declined going to Dubai. They said no to Dubai because of something about the travel arrangements. And I'm not exactly sure. What does that mean? What the yeah? What what they were like? I I don't know. I, I don't know if they thought like they were just going to get a direct flight like from Cincinnati right to Dubai or or whatever. But in the end, he's going to run uh, Turfway on the same day he would be running in Dubai. Um, which to me is is a smart move because going to the other side of the world to get your ass kicked um, <clears throat> just doesn't seem like a, a brilliant move, especially coming off his last race, which was not a real strong race where he raced terrible. Um, it just doesn't seem like that that would be a good race to run in, but, but they're not. So uh, that means they'll probably be racing more. Because, you know, everyone goes to Dubai and then they got to give them those three months off and all that shit. So, you know, we'll get, we'll get more chances to see Rich Strike. And as bad as the older horse division is, <laughs> he, he might actually clunk up and win one of these things if they run a fast enough pace and everybody collapses. Stranger things have happened. There, Rich Strike hater people. Well, I guess <laughs> not hater people. I'm the hater. Rich Strike lovers that think I'm a hater. I yeah. Something nice. Though I wish the guy would just stop with the stupid shoes. You're, dude, you're not going to win that thing. <laughs> just leave it be. Indian Charlie or whatever his name is, Hot Rod Charlie, he's in Japan now. Just stop. Stop. Stop with the madness with the shoes. Yeah, Rich Strike will be racing a turfway. So, Caitlin Free will be very excited about this. Home team. That's right. So, God, I can't believe we almost forgot about that. I know. Shout out, of course, to the Time Lord because, you know, he's a Time Lord. He is the Lord of Time. And uh, thanks, everyone else, for listening, man. This is a, a relatively short show today. Yeah. Not that much blabbering. Though I talked too much today. Barry didn't talk enough. <laughs> Noted. Barry's, Barry's on a, a word. Word. Restriction. <laughs> Saving them up for Tampa Bay Derby Day. That's right. I got I got a lot to say. Firing winners in the no chalk zone on Tampa yeah. Bay Derby Day. That's the key. Well, you'd think the Tampa Bay Derby is going to have a full field, right? Who's there to be scared of? Nobody. They're they're probably all be a full field. Gerald Bennett probably runs something he claimed this week for Maiden Twelve. 
Yeah, we're running back in the Tampa Bay Derby. Yeah. I took advantage of that on Saturday, by the way. Mm-hmm. The 10. The 10. Is Bennett claim? Yeah. For 16 into a starter handicap 16. That was the play. Four to one. Easy money. Easy money, as Pete Isla would say. Easy money. Let's say it every time. <laughs> but that's why I'm not a race caller. I would be a terrible race caller. Oh, I'd be horrible. I mean, we know our limitations. Yeah, I'm race not calling. Not it. No, I'd be calling the wrong horse. I'd have my program on the wrong race. On the wrong horses. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> All right. We'll talk to you next week. All right.